Hey, what is up, everybody? This is Hater Radio. My name is Chris McLean. Uh, this is a brand dedicated to college football. Uh, as you can see by the cryon below me, uh, Ian is not here tonight, but uh, he'll be back for Wednesday's show, uh, which I'll be in Florida for because I'm going to go to the Florida Florida State game. And uh, so look forward to that. But let's get into it. This is week 12 uh, recap show. So we're going to go over the games that occurred yesterday. Uh, a lot of really good good games. Um, there were some real close ones, especially uh, the first one we're going to talk about, uh, which was the Florida-Missouri game. I mean, this game, uh, you know, I am a Florida fan, so obviously I wanted them to win. But, you know, if you're not a fan of either of these teams – you probably would have been pretty happy just watching this because it was back and forth. I think there was um, six, seven, eight, I think eight lead changes. I think I can't. I um, Let me see. Let me just double check. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine, nine lead changes. That's crazy. I mean, and Florida at one point had like an 89.8 chance of winning the game. I think it was even higher than that. Someone was saying even higher, but I'm looking at the probability and it looks like I'm not seeing it right. I guess it's it's not giving me, giving me that fourth down where that fourth and 17 obviously – was the crucial play, but um, let's get into it a little bit more before we get to that. But, uh, you know, back and forth, obviously, with the lead changes, um, the offense for Florida actually looked really good, um, you know, going into uh, the second half. They uh, really, uh, you know, open up the half right. You know, I really like when they defer in these games because – I've always liked it. I guess it was like when Dan Mullen started doing it um, was one of their bigger things where they always deferred because they tried to score at the end of the half and get the ball to start to then score again. And you're basically getting a two for none and, um, you know, putting a lot of pressure on the other team. And, you know, Mullen did that all the time when he was at Florida and, um, Billy has been a little bit suspect as far as um, end of half stuff. And, uh, you know, at the beginning of the, the, the half there, they did well and they, they moved the ball um, really well. And they, they, they scored off of a ETN um, long uh, reception, which was set up nicely by Mertz. He drew the defender and uh, ETN just took off from there. And ETN had an amazing game. He had, uh, over 100 yards all-purpose um, on the ground and through the air. And um, Montrell as well had a great game. Ricky had a phenomenal game. I think he had um, over over 100 yards all-purpose as well. All three, Montrell, uh, Ricky, and uh, ETN all had amazing games. Even Trey Wilson had a really good game, even though they didn't have him in as many plays – uh, as the focus as they probably should have had, but he still had um, a pretty solid game overall. Um, I'm trying to think he had, well, I mean, he had seven catches for 23 yards, which obviously is not good, but he also had a touchdown. I, th I thought he had more yards, but I guess I was mistaken because a lot of uh, the plays that he had, where there was at least two of those like touch passes where they like throw it in front of him. So it's technically a pass, not a, a handoff. And those resulted in very short plays, you know, some of them a yard, maybe less, maybe loss. Um, definitely not his best game. And, and that's what I like. And I don't know. I, maybe they were focusing on him more and the rest of the guys really went off. Khalil Jackson had a really, uh, a couple of good catches, especially 
one later in the game. Um, you know, I don't fault the offense in this game at all. You know, obviously when Graham Mertz was playing well until he got hurt, he's running for it on a, um, a third down, I believe, and he has to get the marker to get the first down. And he runs through like at least two guys to get to the marker and then like two other guys tackle him as well. So he got hit by four guys and uh, suffered a uh, collarbone issue uh, injury that more than likely is going to um, derail the rest of the year for him. So he'll be out at least a couple of months. Hopefully he comes back. I don't know. At this point, there it's up in the air what's going to happen with him. Um, he still has another year of eligibility. If he comes back, um, it brings a lot of stability to the offense. You know, the offense was moving, even though that he um, didn't have a lot of time because of the offensive line. And speaking of the offensive line, there was quite a few injuries there with Barber and then George going out. And our Barber didn't even start, I, I believe. And then George went out during the game. And then um, Waits came in. And uh, I can't remember the other guy that's the tackle that was in. But, um, you know, the offensive line, you know, was obviously um, better the rest of the half after those injuries. And I'm not to say that they're not – I don't know. I mean, uh, not Waits, but um, George has struggled mightily throughout the year, and he's been a bit of an issue – uh, with really good defensive ends. And so um, it was nice to see some, uh, you know, blocking there on those ends to be able to make a little bit more time. Um, Max Brown came in and he played remarkably well for a guy that's never played significant snaps before. Um, he did fumble the ball when they were driving, which um, after the fumble and recovery by Missouri two plays later they scored on a long TD so that could have been a difference maker in the game because if they even just score a field goal there and you know not that they take away that score but uh from Missouri but you never know what what could happen after Florida would have potentially I, I think they would have gone up in that instance instead they ended up going down by uh nine and um you know, it's – let me get back to Max Brown real quick, though. But Max Brown played really well. He made a lot of scrambles um, on plays that looked like they were going nowhere, which, you know, give credit to him and his athleticism. He hit a nice throw to Cleo Jackson that I talked about earlier that, you know, was uh, – set them up for, uh, I believe, uh, a touchdown. And then um, – you know, it it's tough to say what's going to happen. It's, you know, Max Brown is going to be the starter for this week against Florida State. I'll talk about Florida State in a little bit. Um, obviously, there's news there, but I want to talk about that specifically outside of this game. But, um, you know, the defense, you know, they struggled in a lot of ways. Um, you know, they gave up over 500 yards. And uh, Schrader, of course, went off, which everyone knew he probably would. He uh, he had 148 yards on the ground, a TD, a long TD run. And Brady Cook looked phenomenal. He had uh, 331 yards in the air. Um, but, uh, you know, I as much as the defense struggled, they still came up big late to uh, force a stop and give the ball back to the offense, which the offense went down the field and, and kicked that field goal. I saw some people talking about how, you know, they they should have been more uh, aggressive down in the uh, red zone against Missouri and try to punch in for a touchdown. And, you know, yes, they could have been, but again, with a young quarterback who is – you know, uh, still learning stuff and just jumped or forced into action against one of the better defenses in, in the all of SEC and then one of the better defenses in all the country. And, you know, 
he did remarkably well besides all that. And I just, it would have been, I don't know. It, they could have got, they could have forced the issue, but I'm glad they didn't. They got the field goal. Trevor Etienne should have went down. I don't know why he went out of bounds. That's something they haven't like done yet so far this year. So maybe he just was unaware that he should have gone down. Um, it would have forced them to use their last time out, which didn't end up costing them because they only used the timeout when they had their fourth down on that fourth and 17. But maybe if they don't have that timeout in that instance, then they get a flag. I mean, on that fourth and 17, obviously the coverage was lax and they, they, you know, forgot Luther burden for whatever reason, who is one of the better players in the country. Um, but clearly on it, you could see Princely being held um, from the view behind the play, sh like shooting forward, like towards the, the defense. Uh, Princely's coming in and that guy, it, it, Princely beats him and the guy just is like got his le uh, his arm all over him and it's clearly a hold. But, you know, they're not going to call that. But whatever. It, it should have been called. Um, but. It is a shame because it's, you know, it was fourth and 17 and, you know, they should have got this. They should have got that stop. Um, I, um, I don't know. I was completely beside myself when that happened because it was like, you know, they, um, they were, uh, you know, uh, they were definitely deserving of winning this game and all they really had to do was get that stop. And it's such a shame because, you know, the rest of the team played really well. All the defense had to do was just get off the field on one play. And it's like, oh, man. Because then it was like after that, like, they they couldn't do anything. Because it was like, even if that, you know, even with getting the fourth and 17 conversion, they couldn't stop them from that play on. Like, the rest of the plays, there was like at least like I think two or three plays where Missouri just was like wide open. I don't know. The coverage was so soft. They just gave them so much opening. And it was like, why? I mean, like, I know it didn't necessarily matter because this kicker can kick from so far, but it's like if they had at least made it a, a diff more difficult kick, maybe there's a chance that he could miss. Like this guy's obviously not perfect. There's a chance that he could miss, but, but they basically let them get into like the, the 20 yard line. And it was like a, 35 yard kick at that point and he's not going to miss that that's a that's a layup for him um but um i don't know the offense is doing better um you know mertz is obviously done for the year so we'll see with brown going forward but the defense is just still bad and they just need to figure stuff out because this is i don't know this is another week of huge numbers for opposing teams offense it was 700 and whatever last week to LSU and this week 500. So it's frustrating. It's as frustrating as a fan to watch this team give up so much yardage. But again, the bright side is almost half the starting defense is uh, freshmen. So they're getting a lot of experience and, you know, with the recruiting class coming in, hopefully it maintains this, this level of class because they've, they've had some decommits lately, but if they can keep that going, you know, mix them in with the, the guys that are already there getting their experience. So it should be a lot better next year defensive wise. I know I see a lot of comparisons of the 2007 defense where they struggled, um, you know, giving up a lot of points to a bunch of teams. And uh, the next year they were all world. I, I know it's not going to be all world next year for this defense, but even I know we've talked about, uh, you know, I've, I've talked about it and I've heard it elsewhere where it's like, if they're just like 50th, 50th or 60th in the nation defensively, that is enough to be able to compete uh, in the SEC and to be um, winning, you know, instead of five, six games, winning like, you know, eight, nine games, which that really needs to be the difference right now. So let's move on um, and mention Richard's big victory for UCLA. I know. Uh, Richard already commented about the uh, UCLA winning. So UCLA wins big. It was um, uh, 
38 to 20. And uh, this game was like second half. It was just not close. And, you know, there was a lot of turnovers for uh, the Trojans. UCLA looked really good on offense. Gerbers, um, you know, had a really, uh, or Garbers. I don't even know how you say it. I, I hear Gerbers or Garbers. I'm going to say Garbers. I don't know. Maybe Richard will correct me. But Garbers had a great game. Yeah, he was completely in command of this offense. He looked really good. Um, he made a lot of uh, really great plays, especially um, uh, ones where he was taking heat and he still got the playoff. So he had three TDs. Um, the running back Harden had a really good game. Um, defensively, uh, Leitu Latu had a really good game. He had like two sacks right in a row against USC that shut down one of their drives. Um, he's he's a stud. If you don't know who this kid is, Leitu Latu is going to be probably a top 20 pick in the NFL uh, draft coming up. So he's definitely someone to look out for. Um, yeah, and really the turnovers were the difference because, uh, USC had three of them, at least one of them led to points for UCLA. And, uh, yeah, cause the stats are pretty similar, uh, everything else. So it, that was really the difference. And, you know, it was especially that fumble return for a touchdown. It was like right after UCLA had scored to go up 21, 10, and then, UCLA gets a, a scoop and score, and that was it. Like, there was, like, no coming back because UCLA just uh, snuffed it out. And the defense, you know, UCLA's defense to hold this USC offense to 20 points is remarkable because they've scored on basically everyone. That's how good this UCLA defense is. It's been good all year. I've been a huge proponent of it. Uh, defensive coordinator Lynn has come in and done a masterful job of really turning around this defense, making it one of the better defenses in the, in the entire country. So he's going to get a lot of praise. Um, there was obviously a lot of heat on uh, coach uh, Chip Kelly coming into the game. They said he was going to get fired. You know, he didn't end up getting fired because they would have said something today. He wins the game. Maybe it was like, a ploy to pressure him to make him realize he needed to win the game. And you know what he does. And they actually have a chance. They're seven and four right now. If they win their next game, which is against, um, I think it's Cal. Yeah. Against Cal, which Cal is not the greatest of team. Um, they could win that game. That's a, that's a, that's a winnable game. Eight and four considering the struggles they've had. Uh, the two losses against the Arizona schools, you know, the terrible loss against Utah where um, they only allowed seven points on defense. Uh, the Oregon State debacle where they just got blown out in that game. They were they just weren't the better team there. But honestly, if UCLA can get one more victory, get eight and four and then potentially win their bowl game. Completely different story than what we were looking at, like coming off those two losses against the Arizona schools. So hats off to them. And I'll just talk about USC real quick before we end it, because obviously they're involved in this game as well. And so this is by far the most disappointing team this year. They came in with a Heisman winning uh, quarterback set to be potentially a top five uh, at the beginning of the year, the number one overall pick. Maybe he'll be a top five pick. He'll probably be in the top five. But regardless, a very amazing quarterback, you know, like I said, won the Heisman and had the chance to, you know, get into the playoff, do some things, be a contender for the Pac-12 championship. And none of that happened. The No Heisman repeat, nothing. I would have thought that Caleb would have been up there for the Heisman, but with so many losses, it pretty much knocked him out and – you know, it's sad because all really Lincoln Riley had to do, God, Caleb Williams still had uh, 3,600 yards and 30 TDs. Like he still had a great game, a great season. And, you know, he could have, let me see what it says rushing wise. 
doesn't say. I hate how they do that. They don't show rushing for quarterbacks. Like, come on. Like, give me what rushing they, they do. Of course, sir. Uh, but uh, no, uh, Caleb, just phenomenal year, regardless of the issues. He had 41 touchdowns again, just a great year. It's not on him. It is like I was trying to say, Lincoln Riley brought back Alex Grinch for whatever reason. They obviously were friends. He was at Oklahoma when Lincoln Riley was there. He brought him from Norman to L.A. to be the defensive coordinator. Had a bad year last year. He should have fired him and was probably the reason they didn't win the Pac-12 championship last year. Um, and if they had just fired him, got a better coordinator in there, and considering that you have a generational talent in Caleb Williams, and you would have made such a difference there. But no, they, you know, they hold on to this guy and it derails their entire season. They seven and five. There's no way this team should be seven and five. At worst, they should have been 10 and two. There's no reason for them to have lost as many games. And it's a shame. Anyways, so moving on to USF UTSA, um, you know, I don't know what to say with this game because USF was up 14-7 and then UTSA scored, I believe, 28 straight points. You know, there was a point in the second quarter where um, UTSA has the ball. It's third and 14. If USF gets a stop, they at least get out of the half down by, I believe, seven. They were It was 21-14. They don't get the stop. It was really close. On They reviewed it as well. I don't know. It looked like he potentially wasn't there, but they gave it to him anyways. But if they get the stop there, they get it out of the half and then potentially give them some momentum going into the, you know, the third quarter where maybe if they get a stop there, they have the ball to tie. But they allow them to convert. They score on that drive. They get the ball at the start of the half, and UTSA goes up uh, 35-14 in like five minutes of gameplay. So that was basically it right there. So it's frustrating to see stuff like that. The defense, again, the theme of three of these teams that we cover is what's the problem with these teams. USF has one of the better offenses in the country, Byron Brown, is you know top ten in total offense uh, at, uh, out of everyone in the nation. Uh, Caleb Williams and the offense is one of the best offenses in the country, top five I believe. Uh, Florida's offense not the best, but still largely uh, a good enough offense to contend um, in the SEC. All three defenses are terrible, like just not good in any way, shape or form. There are pieces there on each of them that have, uh, you know, enough there. Yeah, Mike, I'm sorry, but USF, the only reason it's not a good program is because they didn't, uh, uh, they didn't get an on-campus stadium when they should have. And the facilities kind of went downhill. Um, and it's also Willie Taggart, you know, when he left Charlie Strong, that was really the failure there of USF when they tried to get a retread who had been fired at Texas. And, you know, I was guilty as anyone for thinking that Charlie Strong was going to be a good uh, good coach, but he obviously failed and recruiting-wise was, was terrible. Um, I don't know, Mike, you forget that USF went 10-2 uh, and two in 2017 and was 10-1 and one uh, going up against UCF with a chance to go to the AAAC championship game. So it's not like they're they're that far away. That was only six years ago. That wasn't that long ago. Um, you know, Jeff Scott obviously didn't do much the last several years as well, you know, only winning four games. And Alex Golish in one year has already uh, surpassed the, the amount of wins that Jeff Scott had in his entire career at USF. So, Mike, I know you 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 just don't know USF. I know you know Florida State, dude, but you just don't know USF. So, spare me on your uh, your comment. Uh, but, anyways, um, 
so USF, uh, the offense is, is, is very good. Sean Atkins broke the records for, I believe, uh, receiving yards and receptions in a single season for a USF player. And I'm so happy for him. The kid's uh, amazing. He'll probably, hopefully he can get his, get a shot in the NFL and be like that Wes Welker position, you know, the slot receiver. And, uh, you know, you see him for like five, six years, make a good living. And, you know, it, I hope he does. I hope like, I can see it. He's very sure handed and very smart player. Um, Naquan Wright was a stud all year. Uh, you know, the, the rest of the receivers were very good as well. You know, they had, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of good games where they were putting up huge numbers. I think what's, what's his name? Uh, Simmons or Simeon, uh, had a really good game against, um, believe rice. And so the offense is there. They're moving on to, uh, um, uh, the Charlotte game with the potential of getting into bowl eligibility. They have to win the games at home. Um, I think they can win that game. The Charlotte team is not very good. Um, their offense is kind of terrible. So plays in South Florida's favor, you know, their defense is kind of whatever. So if, if the bulls can just put up like, you know, a normal 30 to 35 night that they're used to, that I think they can, uh, go on and, um, get bowl eligibility, which would be great because that gives a lot more practices to, uh, some of the younger guys and, um, give some momentum, uh, to the bowl game. And then if they win the bowl game momentum into next year, into recruiting, and then into the spring game and then moving forward from there as well. So great first year so far by Alex Golish. Tough, tough loss here to UTSA, but they have a chance to get bowl eligibility, and I think they can. Okay, moving forward, the first thing I want to talk about, and I hope, Mike, you're still there because um, obviously I'm going to talk about this. So um, Florida State, North Alabama, um, Florida State was down early. And then um, Jordan Travis breaks his leg severely. It was very gruesome. It's hard to watch. Um, and I feel bad for him. You know, it sucks because this was the end of his career. And, you know, he – I think you, there's still a possibility of, like, a medical red shirt. But I don't think he would. This just kind of screws him as well because if he was to get drafted – in the NFL now, it's like, what NFL team is going to draft a guy that is got a broken leg that's going to take at least a year to get back to? Um, yeah, and that's what I'm going to talk about, Mike. I don't think Florida State. Well, I still think that they probably wouldn't have gotten in even with him. There's a chance that Georgia wins out, Ohio State wins out, Washington would win out, and then they might have. Um, put in Texas over Florida State because of that uh, Texas uh, win over Alabama. Um, yeah, of course Washington goes. Washington's a way better team than Florida State. Washington has the best quarterback, the best wide receiver. They have a really good defense. They have also have victories against Utah, Oregon State, USC, um, you know, I I don't really see Florida State having that many good victories. The only one you could really look at is LSU, but LSU already has three losses. So, like, how good of a victory is that? And it was a neutral site game as well in Florida. You know, considering what Washington's gone through, the gauntlet of Pac-12, Pac-12 is a way better conference than the ACC. It's probably the best conference this year. I would have to argue it is because um, if you look at how strong all of those teams are, even right now with Arizona coming on strong, they're going to be, I think they're eight and three right now, which, you know, Arizona eight and three, Oregon at 10 and one, Washington at 11 and 0, um, Oregon State, I believe, at eight and three. Uh, Utah's kind of fallen off, but they're still solid at like seven and four. All of those teams are very solid and they can compete against anyone 
in the country. I envision them having a really good bowl season as well with all those teams. Um, well, with my thought, uh, Mike would be Alabama losing to Georgia because if 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 Georgia wins, Alabama has two losses, so they would be done, and then it would be Georgia, Washington, Ohio State, or Michigan winner. And then Texas potentially if they went out. And I think that would hold true because then Texas would also possibly avenge their loss to Oklahoma, which is I, I think it's I think Oklahoma State still has the tiebreaker with Oklahoma right now. So um I'll have to look at that on uh Tuesday before we do the show because I did not look at that yet. Um but um uh, but besides that, uh, I just don't think Florida state is good enough. They don't have, I mean, all of their road games. No loser of Michigan, Ohio state does not deserve the maybe Ohio state possibly because they played Notre Dame, uh, Penn state. Um, uh, but no Notre Dame, uh, Ohio state maybe, but it, I don't. I think the loser of the Michigan Ohio State game goes away. So uh, because also the winner of the Michigan Ohio State game goes to the Big Ten championship game, and they'll have a victory over, I believe, a nine and two right now Iowa team. So um, you know, there's a chance that uh, they'll get more cushion there. But I still don't. There's no way that they're gonna they're gonna grant because the Big Ten. There's so many teams that are so bad in their conference. Really, the only good teams this year in Big Ten are Ohio State, Michigan, and maybe Penn State. But Penn State has been terrible against – yeah, Iowa's not good. Trust me, Iowa's offense is terrible. And they're really only having that good of a record because they don't play anybody. So it's easy. They have a good defense, but they're playing like terrible teams you know, all year. So it's easy to get a good record when you're not playing anybody. Okay. Um, moving on real quick, we'll run through these, the Louisville Miami game. It was back and forth. Uh, Restrepo looked really good for Miami. Uh, they were trading TDs back and forth, but Louisville kept coming back. Uh, they were answering. They got a late TD. The, oh, that TD was terrible by Miami because the two defenders run right into each other. And I was like, Oh my God. And the guy just runs Scott free. And that was like, Four minutes left in the game. Uh, Miami had a shot. They actually had a decent throw by Tyler Van Dyke into the end zone that was a little short, that bounced off, and Restrepo caught it, and he just couldn't uh, uh, run away from the defender, and so he got tackled like at the, like the three-yard line. Um, but Louisville clinches a spot in the ACC championship game. This is a huge surprise team. This is – got to be the biggest surprise all year because most people thought when uh their coach left i can't even remember his name uh worst loss to cfd history yeah. um but uh when 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 louisville came into this year that they were going to struggle but they brought back brahm or not brought back but they brought him in you know he was he's an alum brahm comes in and, you know, the guy is smart on offense. He's very talented. He got a lot out of Purdue the last couple of years, got them to the Big Ten championship game last year. And, uh, you know, if he gets more talent, which I think Louisville usually gets better talent than Purdue uh, for whatever reason, you know, obviously Lamar Jackson and some others throughout the years, Teddy Bridgewater. So maybe he'll he, he'll be able to recruit there. And so if that's the case, this is just the start for Louisville. And they're already 10 and one um, with a chance next week to beat Kentucky. And if they beat Florida state, I don't know, things could get weird and maybe they get into the playoff. I don't think so. It would have to be because that loss to Pitt just looks terrible. Like it's a two win uh, or three win Pitt team. Like that is not a good look for the playoff. If you have a team like that getting in, but I've seen stranger things. So you never know, but uh, anyways, Louisville gets the win here and uh, moving on to uh, Michigan, actually uh, Maryland. I didn't have this game on our list, 
of games to watch because I thought Michigan was going to run away with this one. But Maryland actually made a game of it. But it was like the fourth quarter, uh, Maryland had the ball like consistently. They kept making stops and getting the ball back. But every time they got the ball back, they got it like inside their five. And so they never had a chance to really like get out of their own end zone. So they just kept being forced having to turn the ball over to Michigan. And finally, uh, Michigan runs out the clock. But anyone that was calling for J.J. McCarthy to be the a Heisman frontrunner or finalist, dude had, was 12 for 23, 141 yards and a pick. I'm sorry. This guy is garbage. He is not a good quarterback. Anyone who drafts him in the first round is an idiot. And there are probably going to be plenty of NFL GMs that fall for it. Good luck with that. And I hope to God it's not the Bucs because I do not want to see this guy drafted in my team. You know, good luck, kid. I just don't. You're you're basically at this point like a Zach Wilson and probably worse because you your stats aren't even good as his in college. Uh, so moving on. Oklahoma BYU. Uh, Dylan Gabriel actually goes out in this game. So uh, BYU had their chance. They had a backup as well, Retzlaff, who played admirably. He had a really bad pick six, and that was basically the turning point in the game because uh, Oklahoma gets the pick six and then uh, runs it back, and uh, it was a 100-yard pick six, and they had the lead there. Retzlaff comes back, gets another touchdown for them, but then um, Sawchuck – came in. He had a great game. Sawchuck looked amazing in this game. He had 107 yards and a TD on the ground. Um, this Oklahoma team is not giving up. Only has two losses. They have a real shot at the Big 12 championship. Um, they have next week against TCU. It's going to be a tough game. And they have to hope that Oklahoma State loses and Oklahoma State plays BYU. So you never know. You know, Oklahoma State looked really bad against UCF. They came back and beat Houston. There's a chance there. Um, but Oklahoma has to win. They they cannot have the same record as Oklahoma State because Oklahoma State has a tiebreaker. Um, okay, next game, uh, Arizona-Utah. Arizona just came out the gates and they were up 28, nothing within a blink of an eye. It was kind of remarkable. I, when I looked at the score, I was like, that's not right. 28, nothing. I mean, just cause with the defense that Utah has, I would think they'd have been more sure tacklers in this game, but they were missing stuff left and right, especially early. There was a couple of like tunnel screens that just went for like 30, 40 yards. Uh, really one of the differences was the, Punt block return for a touchdown. That was huge because that really kind of opened the floodgates. And they went up 28 0. They ended up winning 42 18. So Arizona, eight and three. Okay. You got Louisville, huge surprise team. Arizona, huge surprise team. You know, you, you almost never can predict what teams will come out of nowhere and really uh, set the world ablaze. And Louisville and Arizona are the two of those teams right now. Okay, um, I had high hopes for Tennessee in this game. Uh, this is a Georgia-Tennessee game I'm talking about. You know, Tennessee has an offense that can move the ball quite well and looks good against certain teams. Teams with good defenses, they struggle. They struggle against Missouri last week, and they struggle this week against Georgia. I would have thought the game being in Knoxville, they would have had a much better game, but they end up only putting up 10 points. They lose uh, 38 to 10. Um, and then, uh, you know, it's, I don't know. This Georgia team is really good. I'm not going to lie. It is frustrating as a Florida fan to see them do so well. But Beck looks really good. He was 24 of 30, which is like basically 75%. And uh, 298 yards and three TDs. That's almost like a perfect game. Um, Milton on the ground, like they're, they do like running back by committee. So Milton only had 68 yards, but he had a TD, uh, Rosemary St. Is it Rosemary St. James Jack St. That's what it is. 
Rote. It's a weird name. I'm maybe they're just spelling it wrong. Rosemary Jack Saint. That's not right. I don't know if that's right. I've heard the name and I it's a long name, either ways. Um he he had a really good game. I think he had a touchdown throw as well. No, Dylan Bell threw it. Okay, Dylan Bell. Dylan Bell had the touchdown throw, and then he had the, the touchdown catch as well. And then uh, Brock Bowers had a, um, a a touchdown reception. I don't think he had that great of a game, Brock Bowers. Oh, he had seven catches. I Just in the time that I watched, he didn't look like he was doing anything. Maybe it was second half that all that happened. But um, uh, this team is very good. The defense is solid. They obviously shut down this volunteer offense that scored right away in the beginning of the game, and you would have thought, oh, here he goes. But no, that was like the only really thing that they did all game. The rest of it, besides that play, if you take that play out, which was 75 yards, they had um, – they had like 55. They only had like 200 yards besides that 75-yard play. That's crazy. That is ridiculous. The rest of the game, it was literally the first play of the game. Uh, so Tennessee loses. Tennessee is 7-4, and four, so whatever. Sorry about your luck. But Georgia moves on. I am still interested in this Georgia Tech game next week because Georgia Tech is finally not terrible. Um, and, you know, it should be interesting. Uh, it's a it's a night game. It looks like it's in Atlanta. I can't tell. It's not. And Georgia Tech is six and five. Obviously, they're not a terrible team. Uh, they lost to Clemson, but Clemson has kind of rebounded a little bit last couple of weeks. You know, they beat Notre Dame. They beat North Carolina and then they beat Georgia Tech there. So they kind of rebounded quite a bit, but Georgia Tech beat North Carolina. They beat uh, Miami. Uh, they beat Syracuse last week uh, or this week. And then um, I don't know. I mean, I anything can happen in a rivalry game. It's it's a lot, uh, a lot, a lot more different than just a regular game. But again, Georgia Tech is Definitely not on the same level as Georgia. We'll talk more about that when we come up to this week, but still interesting, interesting to look at. I think Georgia Tech can at least kind of put a scare into them. Okay, last couple of games. Uh, Oregon, Arizona State. Uh, Oregon, dude, blows the doors off Arizona State. This game was never close. This was 49-13, just, you know, just a – just a dusting. I mean, it was 42 to nothing at halftime. And, you know, this Arizona State team is limited in a lot of ways. It's definitely probably one of the um, uh, most limited uh, most limited uh, teams that I've seen in a long time. Um, but they actually make do with what they have. Scadaboo, um, their jackknife of a uh, a multi-tooled player who can do everything. He he's phenomenal at the trick plays. That's that's really what they do. They just kind of run trick plays. But that when you go up against a really good team like Oregon, who's very good defensively and very efficient offensively, they're going to destroy you. And if you if that's all you're doing, and they you know they laid waste to them. I mean, it was never close. Um, they had 603 yards of offense and held. Arizona State to 316. Yeah, it was it was a blowout. N never close. Um, last couple of ones, like I said. Um, I didn't get to actually watch the Kansas State-Kansas highlights because there was no package anywhere, which I don't understand with Fox. When they have games on FS1, for whatever reason, they don't put out packages, highlight packages for those games. You know, if I were a fan of those teams and I want to see what they did, I would be complaining to Fox to put something out because ESPN doesn't care. And so they don't put anything out. And so it's like it's up to really Fox to do something and they don't seem to really care, which these are two really good teams. 
they're at that point, it was a battle to see who goes eight and three with a slight chance of getting to the Big 12 championship game. So I don't know why they didn't show it off my high horse there. But, you know, Kansas was limited here. Uh, Ballard uh, came into play again for um, Bean, and they struggled. Um, Howard for Kansas State played well, and they were moving the ball quite well. Um, they had uh, – I mean, Kansas still moved the ball, but it just wasn't enough. I watched the fourth quarter at least, and Kansas State was just controlling the clock really at the end. And that was the difference. They they scored a lot early, really quick. And then it was like late. They were able to run out the clock, especially once they went ahead in the fourth quarter. So Kansas State wins 31-27 and, you know, ending Kansas's really good run. But still, you know, Kansas, a team that was predominantly for the last several years, terrible, now doing quite well. It's good to see them uh, moving forward. And even though they've had their struggles with their quarterback issues because of injuries. Um, so we'll see what they do going forward. Hopefully they can win the the last game, and uh, which is against Cincinnati. I think they should beat Cincinnati. And then they have a good shot of winning their bowl game too. Um, so we'll see. Uh, last two. Last two. But this one is a big one. It is Washington, Oregon State. And I didn't watch this game live because I was – watching the Florida-Missouri um, game. But what a hell of a game. You know, this was back and forth. Oregon State had the ball with uh, not much time left, had a real opportunity to try to score, and they just couldn't do it. But Oregon or Washington wins 22-20. to 20. You know, Michael Penix did what he needed to do to put the team um, in position to win. Uh, he had three TDs, two in the air, one on the ground. Odunze looked phenomenal again. Just an amazing game. This kid is a stud. Definitely going to be a top 10 pick in the NFL. Uh, Johnson, the running back for Washington, had a good game, but he fumbled heading into the end zone uh, at one point, and that really could have been a difference maker because if they can score there, uh, would have been uh, would have been great. I think, but I, I, I'm almost positive that they that there was an interception. Um, after that fumble anyways, yeah, it was, there was a fumble and then Oregon state fumbled as well. So I guess it kind of washes itself out because then Washington ended up scoring, but still it could have been a backbreaker there because the game was still nine to seven at that point, but Washington wins, um, moving forward 11 and zero, setting up the apple cup next week against Washington state. If they can go undefeated, into the game, uh, the Pac-12 championship game with a real shot at the playoff on the line. Just a, a basically a, a quarterfinal game will, will be for Oregon and um, Washington. Well, both of those teams still have to win. Washington and Oregon have tough games. Their rivalry games against uh, Washington against Washington State, like I said, and Oregon going up against Oregon State. So two very tough teams. Um, I can see Washington and Oregon winning, but with this Pac-12, you never know. And, and there's always a lot of craziness when it comes down to the last couple of games in the season. So we'll see, especially rivalry week. Okay, last game, Texas-Iowa State. Um, Texas had pretty much control of this game for the most part. Uh, they win 26-16. Iowa State came back with a late TD um, in the fourth quarter. Uh, to make it a one-score game, but then uh, Bert uh, Auburn scores a, uh, hits a field goal to put them up. This Texas team, man, Quinn Ewers, I'm telling you, man, look out for them. If they can win out, they have a real shot at getting into the playoff. They just have to win next week against, I believe they're playing Texas Tech. Yeah, Texas Tech, and then they're playing um, the win the the other participant in the Big 12 championship game. So. I think right now that they have locked in their spot. No, they haven't because if they if they have one more loss, they would tie with Oklahoma, then Oklahoma would go in. And uh, Texas has not played Oklahoma State. I can't remember what the tiebreaker is. I think I have it here. Um, oh, there's just a ton of teams, so it's really kind of hard to tell. 
until we figure out next week. So it, it's going to be between basically Kansas State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Texas to see who goes into the Big 12 championship game. It's still wide open at this point. Um, but Texas, if they win out, they get in. And then, like I said, if they win the Big 12 championship and having that, uh, you know, a big win there and the victory against Alabama, that should propel them into the playoff. And I, and I like their chances because considering Florida State lost their quarterback, Jordan Travis, and, um, you know, with Quinn Ewers, Quinn Ewers coming back, I can think that this Texas team has a really good shot at getting in. So that is the show. Um, I hope you enjoyed all these games. Next week is Rivalry Week. I'll be live in Tampa um, for the Wednesday show. Um, Sunday, I don't know where I'm going to do it from, but uh, Saturday I'll be at the game, Florida, Florida State, and I will be recording a bunch of stuff and put it on, um, uh, uh, you know, once I put it together, uh, probably a couple days after that, and then we'll go from there. And then, um, yeah, so it's this is winding down. The season's almost over. So I hope you enjoy everything because it doesn't last. It's only like four months, and then you have eight months of misery. So <laughs> that's it. But that is the show. You can reach us at haterradio.com for all of our articles. We'll probably have one up about the Florida-Florida State game, and I may do one as well. And then also um, you can reach us at uh, all of our socials, which are Hater Radio, um, at Hater underscore radio for Twitter, Instagram, threads, and uh, TikTok. Uh, for YouTube, it is uh, at Hater Radio. For uh, Facebook, it is Hater Radio CFB. Hater Radio 1 at gmail.com if you want to email us. Um, again, I'm Chris McLean and I'll talk to y'all later. Have a good one.